Thank you, choir and orchestra. Today we come to conclude our series on family matters. And our subject today is children, and our focus is on Samuel. You're probably familiar with Samuel. If so, you recall that his mother, Hannah, was barren. She wanted to have a child, and so she asked the Lord to give her a child. She said to God, if you give me a child, then I will return him to you. I will give my child back to you. The Lord heard her prayer. She had a child. When he was weaned, then she returned the child to God. The Bible says the boy ministered to the Lord before Eli the priest. So Samuel then, this child that God gave to Hannah, was raised by the priest. One of the interesting things to me about Samuel is that he was used by God to save a nation. There is importance in children. Take your Bibles, turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 3. We'll begin reading in verse number 1. Now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord before Eli. And word from the Lord was rare in those days. Visions were infrequent. And it happened at that time as Eli was lying down in his place. Now his eyesight had begun to grow dim and he could not see well. And the lamp of God had not yet gone out and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. That the Lord called Samuel and he said, here I am. Then he ran to Eli and said, here I am for you, call me. But he said, I did not call, lie down again. So he went and lay down. And the Lord called yet again, Samuel. So Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, here I am, for you call me. But he answered, I did not call my son, lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, nor had the word of the Lord yet been revealed to him. So the Lord called Samuel again for the third time. And he arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. Then Eli discerned that the Lord was calling the boy. And Eli said to Samuel, Go lie down, and it shall be, if he calls you, that you shall say, Speak, Lord, for thy servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. As we look at these verses today, we begin with a word from the Lord in verse number one, where it says, and word from the Lord was rare in those days, visions were infrequent. The word from the Lord was rare in those days and visions were infrequent. There are those times in life when it seems that God is silent. There are those times when it seems that his voice is distant. And we don't hear the Lord. Where is God? Where is the voice of God? Why do we not hear God? Well, in this case, the reason was because of sin. If you look in verse number 12, In that day I will carry out against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house from beginning to end. For I have told him that I am about to judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knew 
because his sons brought a curse on themselves and he did not rebuke them. The reason that the voice of God was rare in those days, the word of God was rare and visions infrequent was because of the sin of Eli. Now his sin was not that of a prophet. His sin was that of a parent. So what were the sins of Eli that caused the word of God to be rare in those days? Well, first of all, he failed to evangelize his sons. If you look back at chapter 2, verse number 12, it says, Now the sons of Eli were worthless men. They did not know the Lord. Eli was the priest of God, but he had not evangelized his own sons. He was the man of God, but he had not taken the time to lead his own children to follow after God. Ladies and gentlemen, that is the most important thing a parent can do. Patrick Henry in his will declared, This is all the inheritance I can give to my dear family. The religion of Christ which will make them rich. The most important thing I can give to my dear family is the religion of Christ. Parents, the most important thing you can give to your children is Christ. That's more important than teaching them a jump shot. That's more important than teaching them how to swing a bat. That's more important than teaching them how to throw a football. The most important thing you can give to your children is a genuine relationship with Jesus Christ. And Eli's sons did not know the Lord. He had failed to evangelize them. He also failed as an example in chapter 2, verse number 29. It says, and you honor your sons above me. You honor your sons above me. Sometimes are we not tempted to that, that our children become more important to us, they become more demanding to us, and we become more committed to them than we are to God. That was a charge that God had brought against Eli. You honor your sons above me. They have taken precedence in your life above me. He also failed to discipline his sons. He knew their sin. If you look at chapter 2, verse 22, now Eli was very old and he heard all that his sons were doing to Israel and how they lay with the women who served at the doorway of the tent of meeting. He knew about their sins. Everyone knew about their sins. So it is not that he did not know what his sons were doing. He knew. They all knew. He complained about it. If you look at chapter 2, verse number 23, and he said to them, Why do you do such things? The evil things that I hear from all these people? No, my sons, for the report is not good which I hear the Lord's people circulating. What I want you to see is that Eli the priest knew about the sins of his sons and he complained about it. Sons, why are you doing that? Why are you acting the way that you are? Don't you know that I am the priest? Don't you know that people are looking to you as a son of the priest? And so he whined about it. He complained about it. He knew about their sins, but he failed to rebuke his sons. In our text in verse number 13, 
It says, he did not rebuke them. Parents, it is the duty of a parent to hold your children accountable. That's why God gives parents to children. Our job is to hold them accountable. And the Bible says that Eli knew about their sins. He complained about their sins, but he did not rebuke them for their sins. I'm afraid sometimes that we also enter into the same temptation of Eli and we suffer the same consequences as parents in trying to raise our children. We oftentimes respond to the foolishness of man rather than to the wisdom of God. I can go to the libraries and the bookstores and so forth and there are countless helps, countless books on parenting, how to raise your children. Some of them are good. Some of them are helpful. Let me ask you a question as a parent. If you have children, have you gone to Proverbs? I think that is the best book anywhere to raise your children. You see, the book of Proverbs is Solomon writing to his son, speaking to his son, speaking to his children. And he gives them the wisdom. And parent, if you want to give wisdom to your children, you'll find so much of it in the book of Proverbs. But oftentimes we look to the foolishness of man rather than the wisdom of God. We try to parent in our weakness rather than in the strength of God And we end up tolerating sin in our families rather than leading them to a life of holiness. Folks, whenever we leave out the word of God, we begin to tolerate in our children sins that God does not tolerate. We need to look to the word of God. And Eli had not done that. So when we leave the word of God, then we suffer the judgment of God. Lang's commentary says, the time of Samuel's appearance in Israel as prophet was a time of an internal judgment of God which consisted in the lack of intercourse of God with his people by revelation. So what I want you to see is that there was the sins of Eli the priest as a parent and the silence of God as the result. The sins of Eli had brought about a time when the word of God was Rare and visions were infrequent. We see that same thing in the book of Amos. There was the sins of Israel in Amos chapter 8 verses 1 and 2. Thus the Lord God showed me and behold there was a basket of summer fruit. And he said what do you see Amos? And I said a basket of summer fruit. Then the Lord said to me, the end has come for my people Israel. I will spare them no longer. So what I want you to see is that Israel had sinned and God said, I will spare them no longer. Judgment is coming. But what was his judgment? That is what's interesting to me. God had said of Israel, I am aware of your sin. The time of my patience has ended My judgment is near, but what was the judgment? What was the judgment that God brought to his people? Amos chapter 8, verses 11 to 12. Behold, days are coming, declares the Lord God, when I will send a famine on the land. Now watch this. Not a famine for bread or a thirst for water, 
but rather for hearing the words of the Lord. And people will stagger from sea to sea and from the north even to the east. They will go to and fro to seek the word of the Lord, but they will not find it. The judgment that God promised was a famine concerning the word of God. When we are disobedient to God, when we reject the word of God, God removes his word. Well, what have we done? We have removed the word of God from our schools, even though our schools were built on the word of God. We have removed the word of God from our government, though the government was built on the word of God. So what happens when we reject the word of God, then God removes his word and the word of God is rare and visions are infrequent. That is exactly what you see in this passage of scripture. Now, that was the setting at the time. Then God says something about ears tingling in verse number 11. And the Lord said to Samuel, behold, I'm about to do a thing in Israel at which both ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. You know what God is doing here? Now, I've just described for you the conditions at the time. Do you know what he's promising here, what he's saying here? God is going to do his work, ladies and gentlemen. He will do his work. He is simply saying here that I will do it through the next generation. Sometimes we miss our opportunities, and Eli did in verse number 2. And it happened at that time as Eli was lying down in his place, his eyesight had begun to grow dim. He could not see well. You see, Eli slept in his sin and ignored the sins of his sons. They did not know the Lord. He had missed his opportunity. The priest of God missed his opportunity. I've read the story so many times, some of it is amusing to me, about Jonah who did everything he could to miss his opportunity. God said to Jonah, said, I want you to go down to Nineveh and preach the gospel to them that they might repent. Well, Jonah didn't want to do that, so he went to Tarshish. You know the story. He was swallowed by fish and all of that. that he, went through. he did everything possible to miss his opportunity. He didn't want to do it because Nineveh was the enemy of Israel. He didn't want them to be saved. He didn't want them to turn to God. So when they all turned to God, he said, I knew you were going to do something like this. He didn't want that to happen. He did everything possible to miss his opportunity. Israel missed their opportunity. They didn't value the word of God and they missed the opportunity. Jeremiah chapter 6 verse 10, Behold, their ears are closed and they cannot listen. Behold, the word of the Lord has become a reproach to them. They have no delight in it. Folks, here's the thing. God is gracious to us and he gives us unique opportunities, but we can miss our opportunity. I have. I have missed opportunities as a father with my children, and I regret that. I wish I'd been a better Christian. I wish I'd been a better father to my children. I, I've missed opportunities with my grandchildren. I love them with all my heart. But I've missed opportunities with my grandchildren. Parents, you can miss opportunities with your children. See, whenever you sleep in on Sundays, well, it's no big deal. We'll just sort of stay home, take it easy today. And fail to teach your child the importance of worshiping with the people of God, you've missed an opportunity. Whenever you don't give it priority, then you miss the opportunity. I know, I did it. 
I used to sleep till noon every Sunday when my daughter was just a little baby, a little girl. And I missed that opportunity. I have talked with people who are older and they have told me about God calling them into the ministry when they were younger. They went on to do something else and now then that they're older, they look back and say, I wish I'd done what God called me to do. An opportunity back there, but they missed the opportunity. You know what? I was thinking about that and the missed opportunities that we have. And I'm so glad that First Baptist Church seldom misses an opportunity. I'm proud of this church for that. We believe that God wanted us to build this building and everybody was moving out of downtown. And it made absolutely no sense, but we built it. Right in the middle of this, I got a call that the Richland County Library was for sale. We didn't have the money to do that. But we bought it. We didn't miss that opportunity. And not long ago, we began to look at these precious students and so many at the university, and we said, we have to reach this next generation for Christ. The why became available. We could have said, well, we, we don't have the money to do that right now, but we bought it. Why? Because this church has faith in the Lord, and it seldom misses an opportunity, and I'm grateful for that. This is a church that whenever God calls us to do something, it may not make any sense. And we don't know how we're going to do it, but if that's what God called us to do, then we're going to do it. We just don't miss those opportunities. Eli missed his opportunity. But what God is saying in this verse, if one generation will not respond, then God will go to the next. Eli slept, so he turned to Samuel. In verse number 11, and the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I'm about to do, so, uh, do a thing in Israel at which both ears of everyone he, who hears it will tingle. God would do his work through Samuel. And Samuel was just a child. You'll notice there in verse number 6. He, now, here's what I want you to see about Samuel is that he was a child, but he heard the voice of God. Now, that's important. He was a child, but heard the voice of God. Verse number 6, the Lord yet again, Samuel, Samuel. So Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am. For you call me. He said, I didn't call. Verse number 8. So the Lord called Samuel again for the third time. He arose and went to Eli and said, here I am. Verse number 10. Then the Lord came and stood and called at other times. Samuel, Samuel, Samuel said, speak for thy servant is listening. What I want you to see is that Samuel was a child, but he heard the voice of God. Josephus says that he was about 12 years old at the time. When God speaks to him, he heard the voice of God. Parents, let me say to you, train your children to hear the voice of God. Teach them how to listen, to hear the voice of God. Train up a child in the ways he should go when he's old, he'll not depart from it. But teach your children how to hear the voice of God. Opportunities are available if we listen. One of my favorite scriptures is in Isaiah chapter 6, and the reason is because Isaiah the king had died, everybody was despondent. It was a terrible time. They were depressed. They were discouraged. The king had died. Isaiah went into the temple to pray, to seek the Lord. And there he had a vision of a worthy God. Holy, holy, holy is he. He saw a holy God. He had a vision that God was worth giving his life to. So when the Lord said, who will go for me? Who can I send? Isaiah said, here am I, let me go. Here am I, send me. Ladies and gentlemen, there are opportunities available if we 
are responsive. He said, ears will tingle. If, if Eli, if you're asleep and old and uninterested, then I'll turn to Samuel. But my work is going to be done. If it's not going to be done through you, it's going to be done through someone else. But my work is going to be done. And so the Bible says that the Lord appeared again in verse number 21. And the Lord appeared again at Shiloh because the Lord revealed himself to Samuel at Shiloh by the word of the Lord. Perhaps God will appear again and speak again in our country through your children. Maybe it'll be through your children, through your grandchildren. As Mordecai said to Esther, who knows whether you have attained royalty for such a time as this. Let me say to these young people, to the children, who knows but that God has brought you here at this time for such a time as this. Samuel, about 12 years old, we're told. A child who became a man in verse 19, thus Samuel grew and the Lord was with him and let none of his words fail. He grew. He grew from being a boy to being a man. He grew. The Bible says that Jesus did, that he grew in stature and in favor with God and man. He grew. Parents, our children are growing into adults. I know you want to keep them as children, but you can't. Help them become adults. One of the greatest thrills to me is to see my little boy who is one of the finest Christians I have ever known. To see my little boy who became a man and is one of the best preachers I've ever heard. One of the great thrills of my life is to see my daughter who has always brought such joy to me in the choir singing. She's not now, she's over there with crutches. But as soon as she can, she'll be back in there. You see, folks, our children are growing up. And as parents, we are to try to direct them. The Bible says that he grew, and then it says the Lord was with him. And there is such joy in the heart of a parent when they see the Lord in their children. I look out at our young people here in our church and I admire them so much and love them so much. And a big part of that is I see the Lord in them. I, I know there's, there's a lot of adults today who want to throw rocks at the kids. You know, they're not, I mean, they, we ought to take them, put them in a sack and put them out and drown them. These are precious kids, precious. The Bible says that, that he grew and he the, the, the Lord's word was honored. He didn't let a word fail. So I see this in Samuel. And people were impacted. God can use our children to impact a generation for Christ. In verse number 20 it says, And all Israel from Dan even to Beersheba knew that Samuel was confirmed as a prophet of the Lord. Our children can impact their world with the gospel. Who knows how far they can? Who knows? James Dobson, I, I, I thought this was, it was discouraging to me. James Dobson wrote that 80% of parents feel like failures. 
80% of parents feel like failures. He went on to write, Throughout the scriptures, it is quite clear that the raising of children was viewed as a wonderful blessing from God, a welcome, joyful experience. I like this. We've had enough self-condemnation. What we need now is a double dose of confidence in our ability, ability to raise our children properly, and I would say amen. Folks, you read all of this, you hear all this, and you would think that parents don't have a lick of sense today. And as a result, 80% of parents feel that they are failures. It is time for us to stop self-doubting, to look to the Lord, and raise our children with great joy. And then godliness was restored, verse 21. And the Lord appeared again at Shiloh. Because the Lord revealed himself to Samuel at Shiloh by the word of the Lord. One child listened and God appeared. Samuel was just one, a boy. But he heard the voice of God and God appeared again at Shiloh. One can make a difference. Think about Adam. Adam was one but through him sin came into the world. Romans 5.12 says, Therefore just as through one man sin entered into the world and spread to all men because all sin. One man and sin came into the world. One man, Jesus, salvation came to the world. Romans 5.15, For if by the transgression of the one the many died, much more did the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abound to the many one. Dwight L. Moody was one man. And he heard someone say the world has yet to see one man wholly committed to God. And he said, I'll be that man. And it was said of Moody that he stood with one foot in England and one in America and shook both continents for the cause of Christ. One man, one person, you, can make a difference. Barna did a study in which he said a person's moral foundations are laid by the age of nine. Most people make a decision regarding the significance of Christ's death and resurrection by 12. In most cases, people's spiritual beliefs are formed when they are still preteens. Let me close. It is obvious to me that there is a hunger, a new hunger in America for things to be different. I think it's a desire to return to God. Maybe they don't know that, but I think that's what it is. Now, this is not a political statement. It's not a theological statement, but just think about it. Why has the slogan, Make America Great Again, caught on? Why has the slogan, a future to believe in, caught on? I believe it is because there is a hunger in America for return to God. And I believe that God may say to us, you, my generation, you have pretty well blown it. But ears are going to tingle about what I'm going to do 
in the next generation. Parents, invest in your children spiritually. Forget the trivial, focus on the spiritual. Forget the temporal, focus on the eternal. And our nation can be affected by our children. Jonathan Edwards was a preacher who became president of Princeton. One of the things that is impressive to me about Edwards is the descendants who followed him. Here's a man who was committed to God. Many of you are familiar with him, with his work, committed to God. What about his family? 186 became preachers, 86 state senators, three congressmen, 30 judge, one vice president. Our country was impacted by Jonathan Edwards and impacted by his descendants. God can use our children to turn back to him. And that is the reason Jesus said, suffer the little children to come unto me and forbid them not. For such is the kingdom of God. If you're not willing for God to use you, he will move to the next generation. But his work will be done. Our Father in God, I thank you for the promise and the hope that we have in you and in the generation to come. I pray, Lord, for these children. I pray that they will be committed to Christ in a way that would bring glory to his name. I pray for parents to be steadfast, that they would have values and commitments that will have eternal consequence. Bless this invitation, I pray in Christ's name. Amen. In just a moment, we will stand. The choir will sing. We'll give an invitation. If you do not know Christ, come receive him today. If you're looking for a church home, our doors are open to you. You come, the staff will greet you. Stand with me, please, as they sing.